We began a few weeks ago talking on this subject of focus, and what I have been trying to share with us out of the life of David is what focus produces in our lives, how that each and every one of us daily, as we spend time on the right things, our life begins to move forward, and we begin to see the goodness of God and the grace of God happening in our lives. And so I want to continue that today and maybe take it a little different turn this morning, but would you take your Bibles today and go to the Old Testament book of 2 Samuel, the 11th chapter. And as you're doing that, let me say hello to our campuses today. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Church, and I'm glad you're with us today. I'm thankful for what God is doing in every location, whether it's Cordova or Craneville, Illinois, Henderson, Tennessee, Savannah, or South Jackson. We're excited about what's happening. In fact, Love and Truth, let's welcome all the other campuses this morning and join with us today here at Jackson. We're going to continue today in the book of 2 Samuel. I want you to look there beginning in the 11th chapter. Now, we've been looking at David's early life and what has happened in his life and how that he's focused and God's promoted him and all the great things that have happened. This is a few years later, and so you're going to kind of see the story turn uh, just a bit in what I read today. It says, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, isn't this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. She had purified herself from her uncleanness. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. Pretty heavy passage. Kind of gets your attention, doesn't it? Kind of like, whoa, what's up with this? We've been talking about all the successes in David's life. We've been talking about all the great things that have been happening. And then all of a sudden, it's like the whole story shifts. It's like all of a sudden David lost focus, and that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about losing focus. How that in our lives that each and every one of us have, have a destiny that's laid out before us. And, and so as we focus on what that destiny is, whether it's in your business, and maybe, maybe you started a great business and things have been going well, but if you begin to lose your focus, you begin to find that business begins to consume you. Maybe it's in your relationship with your husband or your wife or with your family, and, and you went into it, man, it was the most exciting thing ever, but as, as you lose your focus, all of a sudden it becomes kind of a drudgery and kind of routine, and it's like, man, what, what am I doing and what's up? There, there are a lot of times even that people start off living for God. I've, I've said for years, I don't know anybody who, who got saved so they could backslide. I think people get saved because they want to live for Jesus. They want to make a difference in the world. They want to touch people's lives. And yet what happens so often is, is that we start off, we, we, we're like David, man, we're going great. Then all of a sudden the wheels kind of come off and we find ourselves losing our focus. And what happens is when you lose your focus, you, you, you begin to wonder. I, I read recently of a, of a plane crash and, and they said once they began to investigate the plane crash, what had happened is that the pilot had not put the landing gear down. Now, how many of you know that's a problem? All right. And you know why he didn't put the landing gear down? He was texting. He lost focus. He, he, he was so consumed with what he was doing in the moment that he forgot that there were a hundred and something people behind him 
who needed him to focus on what was happening. And so we're going to take some lessons out of David's life today and out of what I just read to you, and, and we're going to look at how that you and I lose focus, and over the next couple of weeks we'll figure out how to get it back and, and to, to live the way God wants us to. Look, look in verse 1, if you would. We'll just kind of break it down today. It says, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, and I won't read the whole thing, basically David stayed at home. Now, the, the number one thing is this, is, is that when you begin to lose your focus, number one is you lose your priorities. David lost his priority. I mean, think about this. David was the king of all of Israel. David was a mighty man of war. In fact, if you were to study David's life, you would see how many battles David had won and, and, and how many times he had led the children of Israel forward into victory. But all of a sudden, David loses his priorities. Now, I don't know why. Maybe, maybe he was tired. You ever gotten tired? Come on, ever gotten tired of, of, of getting up and punching the clock and doing this stuff? I don't, don't even look guilty on this. Ever gotten tired of being married? I'm keeping on going. <laughs> ever got tired of taking care of 38 kids? I mean, you ever, right? We, we don't know what happened. The Scripture doesn't give us that detail. But I, I kind of believe, I'll, I'll use my, my imagination for a moment, I kind of believe that David had come to the point, he had had great success, and, and so it was kind of like, I'm just going to chill, man, I'm, I'm taking it easy, um, I, I've, been, I've been hitting it hard, every time there's a battle, I'm out there on the front, I've raised up some great men, I'm, I'm, I'm not going. And yet, in that moment, what David found is, is, watch this, what was his greatest success became his greatest failure. There are moments in our lives that we are the most vulnerable, and I have found that usually that moment that I am the most vulnerable is not in failure. The moment that I am most vulnerable is when I am in success. When I have achieved something great, when something wonderful has happened, and, and there's that euphoria of the moment saying, man, I have got it down. Now, you don't know what I'm talking about. Y'all are looking at me like, it's like, man, it, 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 this is it. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself in, in, in a mess. And, and that's what happened in David. David. David had been faithful. David, In fact, the Scripture says that David was a man after God's own heart. Think about that. In your life and in my life, there, there, there's this passion that says, you know what, I want to be a person after God's heart. I want to make a difference in the world. I, I want to touch people's lives with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But what happens is, is that we find ourselves losing our priorities. We find ourselves saying, you know what, I, I know I ought to read the Bible, but I've just been so busy. I, I know I ought to be praying more. I, I know I ought to spend some time with God, but man, there's, there's just so much going on. I don't have time. You know, I, have people, I have people tell me all the time, well, you know, I just, I, I'm out of time. I don't have enough time in my day. Wait a minute, everybody's got 24 hours in a day. The, the, the guy that doesn't get anything accomplished and the gal that gets everything accomplished has the same amount of time. It's, it's what are our priorities. Now, let me tell you this. Everybody look at me for a moment. Let, let me help you. Those watching as well, let me help you. There, there are seat belts on either side of your seat. Just reach up and click them because we're going on a rough ride for a few minutes. I'm going to get in your business today. First two weeks, we've had fun. This was going to kind of stir us up a little bit, all right? There's, there's this whole aspect, though, in our lives. Maybe, maybe when, when we went into marriage, you said, you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to make that spouse. I'm going to make my children. They're going to be the priority of my life. And yet all of a sudden, we're spending 60 and 70 and 80 hours at work, and everything else becomes important. 
In fact, I read a book years ago called Tyranny of the Urgent. I would encourage you, if it's still in print, to get it. It's a real small book. And, and what it says is basically is that you and I spend all of our time on the urgent things and we leave the important things undone. The urgent things are things, oh, man, I've got to have this report in. I've got to do this. The important thing is, is that your kid has a t-ball game and you need to be there. Wow. That, see, we, we miss out on that. And so David missed that. He, he got his mind off of what he needed to be doing. He laid aside his priorities. And if, if you want to achieve anything great in life, you've got to establish your priorities. The second thing that David did is found in verse 2. It says basically this. One evening David got up from his bed and he's walking around outside on his rooftop. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing, which is interesting. And the, and the New International Version says the woman was very beautiful. Here's what the New Eddy translation says. She was hot. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, come on. He, he, he didn't go, oh, she's, no, he's a man. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yes! Praise God or whatever he's doing at that moment. Probably wasn't praising God, was he? Uh, you should have said she's fearfully and wonderfully made, but he didn't. Anyway, uh, it, <laughs> in that moment, he, here's what he does, and, and this is what happens to us. First of all is that we lose our priorities. Second thing that, that he did was that he focused on the temporary. All right? He got his mind and he got his eyes off of what he should have been focusing on, which were things of eternal significance. In other words, he walks up there, he looks down, and instead of at that moment going, man, I've got a wife, I've got children, I've got a kingdom, I'm a man of God, what he does is says, whoa, she's hot. He's focusing on the temporary. How often do we see that happen? How often do we see that in, in, in the lives uh, of, of, let's say, a business person who goes in the business and, and all of a sudden you, you find out, maybe, maybe it's one of those things. How, how many of you have ever found a place that you've gone and you've enjoyed? Maybe it's a, a restaurant or something and you've gone in and, and it's, it's, it's a wonderful experience. The, the waiters are, you know, they're just great. The food's wonderful. It's a wonderful, 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 wonderful experience until about six months in. And then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, they can't wait for you to get done. The food's mediocre, etc. Why? Because somebody lost focus. Somebody missed out on what they need to be focusing on. See, in our walk with God, it happens all the time, is that, that we miss out on understanding, wait a minute, I am a child of God. David, what are you doing? You're the king of Israel. You've had God himself to anoint you to be the king. What are you doing? David goes, oh, I, I'm not doing anything right now. I'm just looking. See, that's what happens to us, is that in those moments, is that it's that temporary thing. We, I, I'm, I'm not going to do anything bad. I'm not going to do anything that's horrible. But we start focusing on that which passes away. You, you know, it happens all the time in, in the lifestyle that, that we live in America. We, we get so focused on the new car, the new house, the new clothes, the new this, the new that, and the new other, that we miss out on what's really important. Let me help you. If you buy it, it's going to break. If you pay for it, it's going to wear out. If you paint it, you're going to have to paint it again. It's just part of life. And, and our, our issue is, is that so often we spend so much time focused on that stuff and not spending enough time focused on the things that are really important. 
See, your family is important. Your relationship with God's important. Your work ethic is important. A lot of those other things aren't important, but we think they are. We, we spend time. And so David, all of a sudden, he's on the rooftop. He looks down, and he gets distracted. And in that moment, he has a choice to make. Sad to say, David makes the wrong choice. Many of us need to understand today is that being tempted is not a sin. Let me say that again. Being tempted is not a sin. When David looked at that woman and, and saw her, that wasn't a sin. But when he began to go forward, then he got in trouble. And so what happens is, is that we begin to look at the temporary things and we begin to make them more important than what really is important. And we miss out on it. The third thing that happens, look in verse 3. David sends somebody, one of his servants, he says, find out about this woman. Man comes back and he says to him, hey, this is Bathsheba. Uh, she's the daughter of Eliam. And oh yeah, by the way, she's the wife of Uriah the Hittite. In other words, hands off, buddy. Right? I mean, the, 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 the servant is nervous, but he, he's trying to some way, somehow, help David to understand, don't go down this road. Here's her daddy, and here's her husband. Leave her alone. What does David do? Doesn't do that, does he? See, here, here's what David did in this moment. David began to pursue secondary objectives. He, he lost the, 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 the thing which should have been first in his life. He, the thing that should have been first in his life was his integrity with God. He should have said, he should have been like Joseph when he was tempted who said, how can I do this thing against God? And, and, he, and he runs away. David instead not only looks, David calls in his servant and says, hey, find out about this woman. I, I need to know everything about her. And so the servant shows up and says, well, here's her daddy and here's her husband. Why don't you leave her alone? That's the under, uh, undertone of this whole thing. And yet David says, ah, man, I, I'm going. I've, I've got this desire. I, this, this is what I want. And, and so he begins to pursue this secondary objective. How often have I seen that even in churches? How, how often churches get caught up in secondary objectives? It, it, it becomes a country club where we pay dues. And, and, and then we show up, and every week it's about us. It, it's not about people that Jesus Christ came to save. It's about, we, we want the music for us. Boy, are we okay? We want the sound for us. We want the preaching for us. We want everything. And, and don't let anybody come in who might live a lifestyle a little bit different than we agree with or maybe have some habits in their life or some addictions in their life. We, we, don't, we don't want those kind of people around here. Really? Wait a minute. Let's, let's get back to the first objective. Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. In fact, he said, I didn't come for all of you cool people who have it all together. He said, if, you know, if you're strutting, standing still, I didn't come for you. He said, I came for the sick. I came for the hurting. I came for the wounded. I read a thing a few years back now, I've been several years back now, in Leadership Magazine. I said, there's a church out west, and this has been years, so I'm sure by this point it has come to pass. 
And they were not accepting any new members, and, and they just said, we don't want any new members. And so they interviewed this church, and they said, why do you not want any new members? They were down to four people, by the way. One, two, three, four, all right? They were down to four members. They weren't accepting any new members and really didn't want anybody else to come. And they said, well, why, why are you not accepting new members? They said, well, said, here's the deal. Well, this church was started, and it's a historic church, started in the 1800s, and they go through this whole thing. And they said, out back, there's a cemetery. I love cemeteries out back of churches. Out back, there's a cemetery, and there's four plots left. <laughs> and when we four die, we want the church to shut its doors. Now, don't you think that just makes the heart of God just feel so warm and fuzzy that the objective of this church has become who's going to get buried out back? I have a feeling whoever they are is going to be buried out back. When the trumpet sounds, they may not be the first ones up, <laughs> my opinion. See, so often we, we get caught up, whether it's in a church or whether it's in a life or whether it's in a business. Let, let me help you. If you're a business person today or you're a professional today, let, let me talk to you just a second. In your life, in your business, let me, let me help you. It's not about money. It's not about prestige. It's not about, it is about people. Now, all of those things will come about if you do what you're supposed to do. But it's not about, hey, can I drive a, a Bentley or a Rolls Royce? It's about, can I, can I help people? Can I do something good for people? And then if I will focus on that, these other things will come along. In the kingdom of God, God said it this way. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, or the right way of doing things, and then all of these things will be added unto you. David forgot that. David begins to pursue a woman, secondary objective, and he finds himself in a mess. Look at verse 4. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Now this next parenthetical statement is quite interesting to me. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanness. Now I don't want to be gross or, you know, get into your business. I just say it this way. What it's saying to us is, is that she is fulfilling the Levitical law. What, what it's saying to us is, is that she's being religious, but she's getting ready to sleep with the king. There are all kind of people who can quote you all kind of scriptures who still live like the devil. Just because you have right theology called orthodoxy, is not the end game. There's another word called orthopraxy, which means right practice. To a man who knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it's sin. That's what's happening here. They're doing the Levitical stuff. They're, they're doing all the religious stuff, but they're getting ready to commit adultery. I mean, it's, it's just so mind-boggling. And yet, we find ourselves there all the time, don't we? Come on, don't, don't look so religious. We find ourselves there quite often. And after the deed is done, the last part of that verse says, then she went back home. The fourth thing is this, when you, when you lose focus, and this is the last one, then we'll wrap it up, is that she, David became consumed with the wrong things. 
David's passion, his desire, instead of the desire to be a man after God's own heart, instead of his desire and his passion being to lead the children of Israel greatly, or even his desire just to be a good family man and a good father, is overshadowed and he becomes consumed with what is wrong. Let me say this to you. There is no sin that takes place until we become consumed with what is wrong. I know when we walk by the desk and we just flirt, we think that there's no issue. And it may not be right then. But then we start the Facebook. And then we do private messaging. And then we go to lunch with nobody else there. It's real quiet here. I'm going to preach to the camera for a minute. And then the door shuts and we're in each other's arms and we go, how did we get here? Let me help you. You didn't get there from point A to point Z. There was B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. Let me go on forward. Didn't happen. The attic doesn't go from hanging out with the wrong crowd to spend in their entire paycheck on drugs. It's a process. Everybody else is doing it. Let me try it. I'll take a hit. All of a sudden, I'm taking more than a hit. All of a sudden, it becomes the pursuit of my life. On and on and on and on. That's what happened in David's life. If you were to have asked David, let me do it this way. If you were to ask David the day before, David, are you a man after God's own heart? David would have said, of course I am. Have you seen what I've done for God? You've seen the battles I've won for God? You've seen the great things that have happened because of me? Of course I love God. 24 hours. Everything that David was and everything that David believed turned upside down. Let me talk to you. If a man as great as David can in one day flip his entire life upside down, do we really think that it can't happen to us? Here's what the Bible says. Take heed. Those of you who are prideful, take heed where you stand lest you fall. Don't think, don't look at somebody else in the church or somebody else you know who has experienced some traumatic things in life, who have gone through uh, maybe some, some really tough marriage issues or business or, or financial or whatever it is, or maybe even in their walk with God and go, that could never happen to me. Take heed. That's David. David, you got the sword in your hand. Everybody is bowing down to you. You are the man. If you were to have asked David even that morning, David, are you by the end of the day basically going to rape somebody? He'd say no. Because you do understand David was the king and there was no way anybody could say no to him. And so we don't know how willing a participant Bathsheba was, but because of his authority and, and our understanding, he raped her. David, you going to do that? David, are you in a few days going to kill a man? 
No, not me, man. I'm, I'm, I'm God's man. Let me close. Let me close. Let me give you three questions to ask. If you want to get your life in focus and live a life of focus, ask yourself three things. Number one, where is your focus? What are you focusing on? If your marriage is important, are you focusing on your marriage? If your career is important, are you focusing on it? Schooling, college, whatever it is. If your relationship with God is important, are you focusing on it? Let me help you. I'm going to talk to you for a moment. It's interesting to me. I read a statistic just recently that said less than 1% of any high school athlete winds up in professional sports. Less than 1%. And yet, I find parents, here we go, who all they can do is focus. My kids go into the pros, maybe but probably not. Now, can I dig down a minute here? Come on, I just need one nod. Thank you. All right? Listen, do, do the stuff, man. Go for it. Your, your kid may be the kid. But, but here's what happens. When that's all you do, and then when you're back in town, you can travel 5,000 miles but you can't drive three miles to have your child in church. I love you, but you just focused on the wrong thing. You just said to your child, ball is above God. And you know what? It's not. Where's my focus? Number two, what are you consumed with? What is it that just is, is driving your life, your passion? It can, be a, it can be a good thing or it can be a negative thing. You're the only one that can ask, answer that question. All I can do is ask it. What is it that is consuming you? Scripture talks about that they were consumed with the Father's house. I, I want to tell you, and, and again, I, I know I'm digging this morning, and we don't normally, I don't normally do this this way, but, but, but I want to help you. It, it's easy to be a Sunday Christian. It's easy to show up at church when the band's kicking and, and, and you know, the lights are moving and, and things are going and we get a, you know, a good little word and we go home. It's something else to be consumed with the things of God. Here's what the Bible says. It says, They that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. I want to challenge you today. I want to ask you today, are you consumed with the Father's house? I mean, is, is Christianity just an appendage in life or is it life? Because I want to tell you, everything else will pale in comparison to your walk with God. What are you consumed with? Thirdly, last one. It's in answer to this second one. What are you consumed with? The third one is, is it of eternal significance? Your family is of eternal significance. What you sow into your children is of eternal significance. The life that you live is of eternal significance. 
Your walk with God is of eternal significance. The salary you make is not of eternal significance. It's wonderful, but it doesn't determine the rest of your world. What is it that I'm doing that is of eternal significance? You say, Pastor, I've got to work, I've got to provide. I totally understand. Not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is as you look at your life, if you were to have asked David, if David could have stopped for a moment and asked himself these three questions, could it not have changed everything about his life? If we stop for a moment and just look at it, before we involve ourselves, before we get caught up, before we go down that road, can we stop ourselves and say, wait a minute, is this of eternal significance in my life? Will it matter a hundred years from now? For those of you that don't know, I'm 54 years old. That used to be really old, now it's pretty young. Here's what I found. The older you get, the faster time moves. It snaps off. It seems like we just started this year and we're almost to the halfway point of this year. It's, it's like, come on. I mean, when I was a kid, it took five years for Christmas to come around. <laughs> Nowadays, I go, Christmas again? The, the Bible says that time, our lifespan, is like a vapor that vanishes away. It says it's like the grass that grows up in the morning and the hot sun comes out and by the evening it's already dead. That sounds pretty pessimistic in one sense and I don't mean for it to be. But what I'm saying to you is, is that your life is passing by quickly. The only thing that's going to matter is what you've done of things that are of eternal consequence. You've all heard this. Only one life, so soon it will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. And I want to tell you, that really is the truth today. So when you look at your life, you look at every aspect of it, Listen, here, Pastor, I want you to do well. I want you to achieve. I want you to be blessed in every arena of your life. But I don't want you to miss out on things that are of eternal significance in your life.